Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. To this point in Exodus 20, God has brought them out of Egypt. The most important part of the Ten Commandments is not in the Ten Commandments. It's what said before the Ten Commandments. Before he tells them anything, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Meaning, I brought you out, but I didn't bring you out just to bring you out. I brought you out so that we can have a relationship together. I brought you out for a relationship. I was redeeming a people for for myself. So I didn't just free you so that you can go and do your own thing. I freed you from serving Pharaoh so that you could be free to serve me. And so this is the foundation for the Ten Commandments. It's not about rules and regulations, but it's how we have a relationship with the living God. So let's, let's, let's read this. Exodus 20 verses 1. Through 20, here's what it says. Then God spoke. No, you want, I want you to read this. Before COVID, we weren't reading together. And y'all was masked up. Now we're free. I want you to read as loud as you read when you're on vacation and it's the last call for alcohol. So let's, <laughs> let's, 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 don't play me. Let's, I, you, some of y'all still got a tan. All right. I ain't seen y'all since June, but, but it's all good. It's all good. So we're going to read, say it, say it in the words of that, that, that prophet from, from Philadelphia. Say it with your chest, all right? Exodus 20, verses 1 through 12. Ready? Read. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Now therefore, go back to the Loud. There you go. Let's finish strong. Amen. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge you this morning, God, and thank you for who you are. Lord, we don't take it for granted that we live in a place where we can freely worship. Uh, and so, Father, I pray today, God, that you be pleased and you be honored with what we offer you today. Um, not just through our listening, God, but through our participation with our hearts. Uh, Father, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us to learn and grow in our faith today. That this would not just be another sermon and another Sunday where we go through the motions, but Father, I pray that you would do something uncommon and transformative in our hearts and in our minds so that we can look more like your son, Jesus. 
And so, Father, today I, I pray um, for everyone in the room, God, I, I pray especially for those who, who may be going through something, who may uh, have a heavy heart. Um, Lord, I pray that you would alleviate the heaviness, God. I pray that you would give them the oil of joy uh, for morning this, this morning, God. I pray um, that you would just restore the joy of our salvation on today, God. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would light a flame in our hearts that, that, that desires to pursue you, God. I pray, Father, that, that we would not just be casual Christians doing church on Sunday, but we will be a people who pursue you every day. And so, Father, we just pray you will lean on us heavy on today, God. Do, do something uncommon today. Free our hearts, God. God, we're going to touch on a maybe a hard subject for some today, God, and I'm fully aware of that, Lord. And I just pray that through the Holy Spirit you would filter anything that I have to say, God, and I would say only what you want me to say today. Um, help your people today, God, and as we honor and worship you through the study of your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. And the people of God said amen. You may be seated. From my sermon series, uh, ten words to live by. My sermon title today, I think, is fitting for this commandment. It's simply this: the found, the foundation, the foundation. Now, I, I hope this is a safe space. As you know, if you've been here for any amount of time, I am a child of hip hop. I'm a hip hop head. I'm sorry. I was born in the '80s. Had a brother that was ten years older than me, so the music that shaped me informed me as I was growing up was hip-hop music. But there's something that, that was prevalent in hip-hop back in the 80s and 90s that is not as prevalent today. Back in those days, you didn't just have individual rappers. Nobody's name was Lil, right? <laughs> Grown men call themselves Lil. Nah. Uh, you, had, you had rap groups. Um, yeah, there were individual rappers. LL Cool J was probably my favorite growing up. You had like Rakim and guys like that. But then you had groups. You had Run DMC, you, you had uh, the Furious Five, you had the Beastie Boys, you had the Fat Boys, to be trying to be politically correct, but that's what they call themselves. Um, you, 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 had, you had groups, you had EPMD, um, you had Kid and Play, Kid and Play, you had, you had groups. But then there was one group uh, that, that, in, that included a, a, a rapper who would become famous. Uh, he would become a famous a famous actor he hailed from, from, from West Philadelphia, at least that's what he said he was born and raised. Uh, uh, his name was Willard Carroll Smith II. Uh, uh, and he was not just an individual rapper. He was in a group. He was in a group. He had a DJ, because back in those days, you didn't just rap by yourself. You had a DJ on the ones and twos. And, and so they had a song. That, that even at six years old in 1988 captured my imagination. And I, I thought I related to this song. They, they had a song that was so popular. The song was called Parents Just Don't Understand. You can YouTube that. And, and, and I just want to just, just share a few prophetic lyrics from this song. Um, here's, here's, what, here's what the prophet Willard Smith II said. Um, whether he's a frost prophet or not, that's up for you to decide. I'm not saying anything. I'm just, he, here's what he said in, in, in these words. He says, you know parents are the same, no matter time or play, nor place. They don't understand that as kids are going to make some mistakes. I, I think that is so true. I, I would agree with the latter part of what I just read, that kids are going to make some mistakes. But, but, but I think that you would agree with me in saying that the first line in this song is not true and that 
uh, parents are the same, but because not all parents are the same. Not, not all parents are the same. The, the parents that you saw in some of your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s were not the same as the Huxtables. And most of us, if we're being honest, we didn't grow up in a Huxtable household. And, and so I want to set a, another foundation for, for, for this for the Ten Commandments, because today we get to a transition. We, we've covered the first four. Uh, and, and so scholars would say that the first four commandments are, are what's considered the first table of the law. The first table of the law. It, it's, like, it's like the first side. Ba- back in those days, if you had a tape or cassette, there was, there was one side, and then you had to flip it over on the other side to hear the rest of the music. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. Okay, and, and so there, there's the, the, the first table of the law with the first four commandments, and then there's a second table of the law. The first four commandments, if you've been here for any number of weeks, uh, you realize that the first four commandments deal with our relationship with who? It deals with our relationship with God, right? right? It deals with our, our, our primary relationship with God. All four of the first commandments in the first table of the law deal with our relationship with God. But then something happens. The, the last six commandments or the second table, as scholars would call it, uh, deals with not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with other humans. And, and I think there's some wisdom in this because God is saying the, 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 how you can tell the quality of your relationship with me is how you have relationships with other people. Because many of us would say, I got a good relationship with God, but I just don't get along with people. The Bible would bear that that's not necessarily true for you. Because if you love God, then the natural disposition would be for you to love people. And and so the the first four uh, commands deal with our relationship with the Lord, but but then it deals with our relationships with other people. I I like this, but here's how God does it in his his infinite wisdom. The first four deals with our creator, but when it gets to the next six, the first relationship that it deals with goes from our creator to our procreators. It goes from the one that gave us life for real, and then the ones that naturally gave us life. And, and so that, that God, God does, does, does this for a reason. He redeems himself a people from Egypt. He brings them out from slavery, from bondage. He frees them the same way that Moses brought them out. Christ has brought us out. They were slaves to Egypt, Egypt and Pharaoh. We were slaves to sin and bondage. They were freed, and so now we are free. But God doesn't just free people to free people. He frees them to serve him. And so when God redeems a people for himself, he was making a family. God God made a family for himself, and he says, I am the Lord your God. I belong to you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. I am your God, you my people. We belong together. And so what God does now is he says, okay, okay, you're my people. I'm bringing you to Sinai. You're here, and now I'm going to give you the rules of engagement. If you've been living long enough, you know this, every good and healthy relationship has some sort of boundaries that protects the relationship. Boundaries are there to protect you. We don't like, we hear boundaries and we have a negative reaction, but boundaries are not only there to protect you, it's also there to enhance the quality of the relationship. Every good 
relationship has some sort of boundaries in them, all right? And so the law for the people of God serves as a sort of a, uh, I said it before the first week, these are like marriage vows. I like to call Mount Sinai the, 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 the wedding venue. That, that's what Mount Sinai is, the wedding venue. This is where God gives the vows to the people. It, it almost serves as like a a constitution, but they're just not to oppress people. God is telling them these are the ways, the rules in which you will thrive and flourish in your relationship with me and with other people. Not only that, giving you these so that people can know how to worship God and you will serve as a model to the world of what I look like. People will know how I am based on how you deal with each other. How you treat each other is reflective of the character of God. And so he's saying, I don't just want you to have a good God relationship. I want you to have good human relationships. And all of us can benefit from having better human relationships. So God, in his wisdom... For he addresses all other human relationships, implies that the main relationship that will have the most significant impact on the quality of all your other relationships will be the one that you will have with your immediate family. That relationship that we have with our mother and our father will serve as a catalyst for how we engage in all other earthly relationships. So when God tells us love him and love our neighbor, the assumption is that that love has already been shaped and molded by the first people we ever met. So, it's no wonder that theologian Kevin DeYoung in his book on the Ten Commandments said this, Honor your mother and father is the foundation upon which love for our neighbor is built. They, they teach us how to love. The, the parental relationship is so important that it shapes all other relationships that we will ever have. It is the foundation for all human relationships. Many social science studies have been done that reveals the best predictor of overall health as an adult, which will include finishing school, staying out of prison, holding down a job, is what actually happens to you in the home. Yes, there are always exceptions, but generally speaking, the best predictor of future success of an adult is the love and affection of a mother and a father that love and nurture the child, and that child listen to them and follow them. You see, our culture will have you believe that that's not really important anymore, that that's just some old antiquated traditional stuff. It doesn't matter. You can have one mom or you can have one dad or a or, or mom or, or no dad or a dad and no mom or you can have two dads and two moms. It really doesn't matter however you want to do it. I want to let you know today that the devil's a liar. That, that God has ordained and orchestrated the family in such a way that, that who are we to do it our way as opposed to God's way? We oftentimes look at God's rules as if he's trying to keep us from something when God actually wants better for your life than you ever could. And so we, we, we take a step back from that and we realize that, that if a parent is supposed to shape how a child loves God and loves neighbor, then we'll realize and understand that parenthood is not something that anyone should enter into lightly because it's a weighty responsibility. 
So much so that God tells his people, honor your mother and father so that you may live a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He uses this word honor. This word honor is a word in the Old Testament that's, that's actually used to describe the glory of God. He, it, honor belongs to God. This, this weight, this glory is what it means. And so to honor one's parent means to give them the due weight of their position. It, it's a, it's, being a parent is a, it's, it's a heavy responsibility because glory is heavy it's a heavy responsibility and and, and so you you respect and you honor your parents not because they're perfect but because of the position that they've been given by God because here's what I know if we don't respect the authority at home it is highly unlikely you'll respect the authority outside of home that that's not that that's not you've seen it before you've seen it in the mall You've seen it in the grocery store. You know what this looks like. Little Billy just goes ham in the, in the grocery aisle, and you like, oh, my God. You get scared. You got PTSD. You have flashbacks because you know what's about to happen or what should happen. I've seen, I was a kid. I've seen kids show out in the mall, and I got scared, and I wasn't even doing nothing. I'm like, she going to get me for him. <laughs> she going to get me for what he did. I didn't even do nothing. You know, some of, some of us were raised like this. We go in the store, don't touch nothing, don't ask for nothing, you don't want nothing, don't look at nothing. If they ask you, do you want something, you say no. When they say something, you say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, please, may I, and thank you. If I said yeah today, my mama would jump through the phone. <laughs> but, but what they were doing was trying to build up a kind of honor. They were trying to build up a kind of honor, and it'll make sense eventually. Dishonoring parents was so serious in Scripture that there was a penalty. Let's read something together real quick. Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 through 21. Let's read this. Deuteronomy 20. Look at this. I want you to read this. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or mother and doesn't listen to them after they discipline him, his father and mother ought to take hold of him. Bring him to the elders of his city, to the gate of his hometown. They will say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and talking back. He doesn't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city will stone him to death. Mm. The penalty for disrespect of parents was death. No, 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 go get a switch. No, 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 let me take my belt off. No, no, not get a spanking. No, no, go to your room. No, go to timeout. No, no more video games. No, not no my iPad. No, I'm not taking the car back. No, the penalty was death. And if you're being honest, some of our parents still believe in this. Some are still believing this today. You 52, your, your, your mom still believe that this is sufficient. If, if this was still in effect, most of us in here would be dead. Don't raise your hand. 
Have you ever mumbled under your breath? When they got out of what you thought was ear distance, you let them have a piece of your mind? You ever went outside and cussed? You, you call your parents' names? You, you have a parent, they don't even hear you, but what you say? You're like, golly, I did not know mama was omniscient. <laughs> Jesus actually condones this and agrees with this. If you read the New Testament. And so although we don't live in this civil law where we will get stoned to death, it does not negate the severity of dishonor. God considers this one of the worst of sins. It's a sign of terrible times. Here's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2. He said, but know this, hard times will come in the last days for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, and guess what else? Disobedient to parents. It is a, it's a sign of wickedness. It's a sign of ungodliness because if a person had no regard to honor their parents, they would eventually have no regard to honor God either. And so this is a weighty responsibility. And so here's why we honor parents. Here's part of the reason. Parents were to teach and train their children to submit to them so that they could learn to submit to other authorities. This was not about subjecting children to the oppressive whims of their parents. Rather, this was twofold in that parents would teach and demonstrate their children what it meant to follow and worship God. The primary aim of honoring your father is to get you to honor God. How many of us know that if we had good examples as parents that loved God and honored God with their mouths and with their lives, it is an easier transition for us to trust in him. But when you can't trust your natural daddy, it makes it hard to trust your spiritual father. And so parents were to teach, prepare their children for work, prepare them for life, prepare them for marriage. This was parents' responsibility. The parents had to teach their kids. The, part of the, the Jewish culture, they would say what's called the Shema, which, which orient their hearts around God. You've heard the Shema before. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is Deuteronomy 6, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholly to these, wholeheartedly to these commands that I've given you today. Verse 7, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home. And when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you get up. I love the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7. Here's what the psalmist said. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children that they should set their hope on God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Let me say this. The parent is supposed to be the first pastor. 
There was an expectation that parents would instill and pass down their faith to their children. That, that, that above making cute TikTok videos, y'all just say amen because you do it, and teaching them how to use an iPad, nothing wrong with that. I'm not coming for you. You don't have to leave. There was an expectation that they would teach their children about their faith, who God is, and what God had done. And teaching was not just telling. In Jewish culture, to know something didn't just mean that you could repeat it and say it back. To know something meant to tell it and to be able to live it. And parents were supposed to do this. The idea was that you would see such a good and consistent model that it would set the foundation for you to have a flourishing relationship with God, that, that you would submit to your parents and submit to God, and, and because they, they, they have, it would be easier for you because your parents have already, already tethered your heart to a love for the Father. Because they've taught you and shown you well, you listen to their instruction. And because you listen to your parents' instruction, that would generally produce a long life. So what is the command with the promise? Ephesians 6 tells us, it's now on the screen, but Ephesians 6 says this, this is the first command with a promise. The promise is this, so that you may live a long life in the land that your, the Lord your God is giving you. Why would he say this? Because he realizes that your parents are not the only authorities that you're going to have in your life. They're not the only authority. There will be other authorities. And guess what the Bible tells us to do with authority? It tells us to to authorities, to the governed authorities, because here's what we need to realize. Even though someone may be an authority, you may not agree with it. You still have to honor and respect them because they didn't put themselves there. God did. Well, I don't like this president, so I'm not going to submit. Well, let me submit to you that, yeah, you might have voted, but God had the only vote that mattered. That's a lesson in the sovereignty of God that I don't have time to get into. But God calls us to submit to the authorities. But the way we learn to do that is by submitting to the first authority, which is our parents. Because we have to submit to government in our country. We have to submit to our teachers. I don't know, you don't like, you, you don't like this. To your employer. To your employer. To your job. To your pastor. I'm going to move on. Saying about me. Here's what theologian Rob Schenck put in his book, 10 Words That Will Change a Nation. He said this, God intends the family to be our first hospital, first school, first government, and first church. And the implication for us is this, is when God tells us to honor our parents, he's telling us to honor him and anybody else who's in authority. And because we do that, it generally leads to a blessed life. And when he says, I'm going to give you a long life in the land, he's not saying that you'll live forever. Or it's not even a guarantee that you'll live a long time. Many of us know people, young people who love God and love their parents that died in early death. But the general, the general meaning is that you will live an abundant life. It, it means that you will live a life full of God's blessings. It is saying to you, you will be much better off in the world if you obey your parents. Here's what the proverb says. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says this, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. 
what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. That there, there is a blessing. That there's longevity. There's an abundant life when we honor our parents and when we honor authority. Like, like we, 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 we live in a generation where, where, where we have a negative eye towards anybody in authority. And that's not good for us. That, that's not good for People, whenever a culture sows seeds of people who disobeyed those in authority, it sows the seeds of its own destruction. And so God has given us wisdom here to, to obey and to honor our parents. But I hear you loud and clear. I hear you. Since we live in a fallen world that has been ravaged by sin, we don't all have good godly parents. You're probably asking, what if, what, what if my parents are not good? What, what if they gave bad instructions or set a terrible example for me? Let, let, me, let, me, let me just say this to you. There are no perfect parents, and there are no perfect children either. You don't choose your parents, and your parents don't choose their children. They might choose who they make you with. But they don't choose you. If your parents had a choice, they would have made Shaq. <laughs> your, your, your mom and dad would have picked Steph Curry. You, you don't believe me. You, you, you know how I know parents don't, don't, don't get a say in their kids? Have you seen these videos with these uh, gender reveals? And you have you seen some of these ladies and, and the thing pop up blue and they go into a deep depression? I'm like, lady, you did something that was 50-50. <laughs> there were only two choices. You were going to get one or the other. So for you to be utterly disappointed as if you had a say-so, I don't understand. But it proves the point that we don't pick our parents and parents don't pick their kids because it is possible to have bad parents and turn out to be a good child. And it is possible to be a good parent and have a nasty and rotten child. It can be three kids that grow up in the same household, two scholars, one criminal. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not coming for nobody. I'm just telling the truth. It is quite possible for this to happen. But regardless, no matter what your parents were like, God calls us to obey our parents. But, but there's something interesting in Ephesians 6 and 1. Paul says this, children, obey your parents. And then he says something very key. Don't miss this. Children, obey your parents. And you should probably highlight this in your Bible. In the Lord. In the Lord. Notice it says, in the Lord. You obey them as long as it obeys and it honors God. I'm going to set somebody free. And then I'm going to make some parents upset. <laughs> Parental authority is not absolute. So, so here, here's what it means. Um, parents should not expect the same obedience from their adult children as they do from their younger children. 
You don't talk to your 30-year-old son like you talk to your 13-year-old son. And you don't talk to your 13-year-old son like you talk to your 3-year-old son. Okay? And so, because I said so, don't work if you don't take care of me. Okay? So, 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 so he 48. <laughs> Ma, you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Okay? Here's the other side of this. I'm going to help somebody. Don't get mad. Help me. Don't leave. I should have told the offering first. Don't leave. Listen. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea for your mother to be your marriage counselor. The Bible says a man leaves his mother and his father and cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. Leave and cleave. A new family unit is formed. That's not to say that you don't honor and obey your parents, but you got a new family unit. For some of you who are dragging your mother and father in your relationships and you groan, uh, let me help you. God commands people to honor their parents, not worship their parents. Some of you are breaking the first commandment because you put your parents in the place of God. Parents make bad gods. What your mom says is not gospel. The gospel is gospel. What your dad says is not gospel. The gospel is the gospel, okay? Honoring parents is not synonymous with idols. You can look up to your parents, but you better look a little higher because God is above your parents, okay? The first commandment, have no other God besides me, excuse my vernacular, includes your mama and your daddy. You honor God before you honor your parents. Here's what Jesus says. The one who loves a father or mother, Matthew 10, 37, the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Let me read that again for the people in the back that spiritually can't hear me. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You shouldn't idolize your parents. It's going to be rough. I know they look like you. I know you're amazed by it. You can't make an idol out of them. They are going to get older one day, and they're going to tell you some stuff. So prepare your heart now. Your job is to train them, rear them, raise them, not worship them. Amen. The church said amen. amen. So parents, yes, we're going to honor you. But parent, you have to be wise enough to discern when it's time to transition from absolute authority. They're one, they're five, they're seven, they're eight, they're nine, they're 10, they're 11, they're 12. You use discernment. You have to transition from absolute authority to using your authority as influence. 
Let me help you build a good relationship with your older kids. Because I said so doesn't work if he has hair on his chest. Okay? All right? When your children reach a certain age, you have to use your influence. You better not. How about this? Hey, I love you. And I, I, was, I was 25 once. I was 30 once. I was 27 once. I was 22 once. I was 23 once. I was 24 once. I was whatever age once. And I'm not telling you what to do. But, but I just want to offer up some counsel. And, and you, you decide whatever you want to do with it. And, and you let me know how that works out. And let, let me know how it turns out. And if you need me, I'm here for you. If some of your parents did that, y'all would look at the phone like, what? <laughs> Serious? What happened? Right? And so you have to go from absolute authority to at some point having the discernment to know, okay, I'm not saying that you got to be best buds and friends. You don't, don't, don't go to the club with your kid. That's not okay. All right? That's, 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 not a, that's not a thing in the kingdom of God, all right? That's not a thing. I'm just, I know my church, so I got to say certain stuff, okay? If I was at a different kind of church in a different kind of context, I wouldn't say this, but I know where I'm at, all right? So, so, so we, we, have to, we, we have to understand this. And, and, and you know what? If your parent tells you to do something that dishonors God, God would rather you not listen to your parents and honor him instead. And some of you are hindered in your relationship with God because you are giving too much credence to what your mama said and not what God has said in his word. This is the final authority for your life. And so here's what you can do. You don't have to curse them out. You don't have to hang up the phone. You don't have to leave, leave, leave what's unread. You don't have to leave them unread. Is that what y'all call it? Okay, because I do that all the time. I don't know how to say it, but I do it all the time. You, you, don't, you don't have to do that, but you can say, hey, I respect it, but, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this way. And let that be that. And you can still honor them. So let me move forward. Let me say this. You may be saying, what, what if I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all? What if my parents were, were Christian in name only? What, what, if my, what if my life, Pastor, you don't know what? My life has had some disadvantages because of my parents. Their, their sin has caused all kinds of issues for me. You don't know what kind of abandonment stuff that I've had to go through. They've, they've debilitated my ability to become an adult. You have no idea. All this spiritual stuff sounds good, but I'm just trying to figure out how to deal with these wounds. And here's what I want to give you. I'm so sorry. That was not God's design. God's design was for children to have a mother and a father. But we live in a broken world, and it is a result of the fall. It is a result of the fall, and we don't get to pick our parents. But God still requires us to honor them, even if the relationship is somewhat broken. Because our respect is not based on personal qualities, but on the position of authority. Okay? This is a position that God gave them. And yes, people who are in a position of authority have a right to use it for, for the glory of God, but do they still abuse it? Yes. Do, do parents abuse their authority? Absolutely. But how do I honor them, especially when it is difficult to do so? Or when I don't have parents to honor at all. 
I'm going to give you a couple things. Number one, and if this fits for you, it fits. Number one, show gratitude for their constant sacrifice. Show gratitude for it. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how thankful and grateful I am to have a basketball game and to look up in the stands throughout middle school, high school, and to see my parents at every game, home and away. I can't tell you what that meant to look out in the audience at graduation from elementary school all the way through and see my mother and father sitting there. I can't tell you. It didn't mean jack to me back then, but it means everything to me now. I can't tell you what, what that did to me. And I realized both of them worked, so it was a sacrifice for them to be there. It, it is a sacrifice for parents to be parents. Your parents may never tell you the untold, they may never tell you the sacrifices that they've had to make on your behalf. And so for us, we, we, we have to be cognizant of that. Just because we don't know everything don't mean some stuff didn't happen. There were decisions made that you have no idea that they made on your behalf, that, 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 that situations that they were in, whether it was their fault or not, and they had to make a decision, do I do this or take care of them? And they took care of you. So even if you don't get along, be, gra- be grateful for what they did for you. Number two, if they got good counsel, receive it. Number three, give them a certain precedence by making them a priority. And here's one if you say, I, I, I have some wounds for my parents. And, and I, if I see them one day, I'm going, I'm, you don't know how close I am to giving them the peace of my mind. Well, Jen Wilkins says in her book, 10 Words to Live By, she says one of the ways that we can show honor is by show, she says this, show forgiveness in what we leave unsaid. Show forgiveness in what we leave unsaid. Sometimes it's okay not to give people a piece of your mind. You may say it and it may feel better for the moment, but you'll be shrouded in guilt. And lastly, here's what I want to give you. Ask God for the grace to honor when it's hard. This is not something that we can do in our own power and our own strength. We can only do this by the grace and by the mercy of God. The same mercy that washes us clean and and forgives our sins is the same grace that empowers us to show honor even when people don't deserve it. Because the truth of the matter is, none of us deserve for God to take care of any of us. But by his grace, God has gone above and beyond and given us the gift of salvation that we never deserve. And sometimes honoring parents is not so much about honoring because they deserve it, but honoring them because we all know what it's like to be on the receiving end of a gift that we don't deserve. We know what it's like to be marred and engulfed in sin and wickedness in our own actions, in our own heart. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, has made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses. And so you're asking, what, why is God even doing this? Why, why is God telling them to honor? Not only so that they could obey authority, I'm almost done. He's telling them this because God wanted to show the world 
what his family looked like. That in the family of God, God's people take care of each other. And see, some of us are already ready to throw our parents in a nursing home. Some of you have threatened. Even if you didn't say it, you thought it. But let me give you a little wisdom. The goal is for you to get old too. So please don't throw mama from the train. And so here's what God asks us to do. He says, take care of the widows, the orphans. Take care of the the elderly among you. Because I'm trying to show the world what what, what it looks like. Because the same way I take care of my dependents, and guess what? We're all his dependents. We all take care of each other. Like like we, we, we undermine that God has brought us into a family. And so God wants us to look after each other. This even includes the church taking care of the elderly in their congregations. See, I know we're, 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 we're a young church, and so we don't have that problem. But some of us are going to be in the seniors ministry one day. Some of us are going to be wheelchaired and stroller on in here. And you can't see it now. Because you're young and you're vibrant. But we are going to need the next generation to take care of us. And you know what we're going to want them to do? And you know what our favorite scripture is going to become? Honor your mother and father so that your days can be long in the land the Lord is giving you. And so we train our children to honor God in authority now. So that when we get older, they honor us too, to the glory of God. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.